health cannot be discussed without talking about healing because of the trauma of oppression and the legacies of suffering that have been cast upon our communities. And I think we have uh, a system, particularly in the Western world, of sick care rather than health care. People really only are able to access support when they're not well. To be healthy or even to be seen as someone who deserves care, you have to look a very specific way. And those are ways that are often privileged in our society. So white, able-bodied, thin, rich. And we believe that every person gets to, one, have bodily autonomy and define for themselves, what does healing look like for me right now? What does health mean for me? We are the ones, we are the ones, we've been waiting. You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. I'm Elena Levy, and in today's episode, we're speaking with folks from Harriet's Apothecary, an intergenerational, gender nonconforming collective of healers, artists, health professionals, magicians, and activists who are expanding the way we understand health. My name is Adaku Uta. I am one of the co-founders of Harriet's Apothecary. I'm also a facilitator, a healer, and organizer with a number of local and national-based uh, movement-building organizations. I am Naima Athea Johnson. I'm a therapist, a pretty radical, um, politicized therapist who specializes in the trauma of oppression and works very intentionally and primarily with Black, Indigenous, and people of color, especially those who occupy queer and trans and gender nonconforming two-spirit identities. Peace, everyone. My name is Beatrice Anderson. I support and hold um, other spaces similar, facilitation workshop, meditation instruction, and additional teaching and education around healing and wellness. I spoke with Adaku, Naima, and Beatrice about creating accessible, affordable, liberatory, all-body-loving, all-gender-honoring, community-healing spaces for people who identify as Black, Indigenous, and people of color. What really stood out to me from our conversation is a strong connection between abolitionism and healing, and that they have been practiced together for centuries. Health and healing for us is a place where people get to determine how they want to live their lives as a whole. So health isn't just one aspect of who we are. Like health really situates itself in an interdependent, um, intersectional analysis and also longing. So it's like within the context of your life, what will bring you the most joy? And how can who you are and also the folks who are supporting you really orient themselves so that the way that you're living your life is in alignment with what you care about and hopefully is reflective of the the values that you believe in and also the kind of world that you want to co-create. I think so much of the healing process, I would say, is also about this reclamation of our um, legacies of caring for ourselves and our communities and the reclamation of the sacredness of being inside of a conversation with our ancestors, those who are recently transitioned and those from the past, um, to really help guide our process to see the things that we can't see. One of the healers that the collective highlights in this legacy is an abolitionist we've learned about in school, but is rarely talked about as a healer, and that is Harriet Tubman. So much of history talks about her abolition work and has that standing alone, and so much of her life was actually really wide to include both her abolition and organizing work and her healing work. 
she really believed that, you know, there are multiple pathways to liberation. You know, in that treacherous journey from south to north, at night, in the bush, no GPS, with different people, you know, elders, young people, folks who were sick, people who had different ideas of what freedom means, some people who were really excited about going on the journey, really scared, some people who wanted to turn back. And in that journey, she never lost anyone. She spoke often of her relationship as an herbalist to plants in the forest, in the bush that she would lean on to support people in sustaining themselves for this long, treacherous journey. And not only that, when they got to the other side, really supporting their wellness and their care. She was able to embody the multiplicity of what healing looks like. There's many stories that live out in the world about who she was and how she impacted community and those around her and took care of herself because she was also constantly healing herself. And I think she allows for us to be reminded that the legacy of healers may not look the way that it has gone down in history books or in mainstream conversation. There are healers who were birthing babies, the doulas and the midwives, the childcare workers, the farmers, the folks who cooked the meals from the food that was, you know, grown from the earth, the storytellers, the folks that upheld ritual and tradition, those are all healers. And those folks are all part of what has sustained us through multiple forms of violence and and atrocity. And all of those different iterations of healers still exist. So I'm, I'm really grateful for Harriet reminder of the many ways in which healing is expressed and has an impact and sustains communities. Rooted in the history of healers who've come before them, the collective organizes what they call community healing villages, bringing people together for a series of rituals and other healing practices that transform stress and heal trauma. So the healing villages are incredible. (laughs) And for me, they stem from, so I am a first generation uh, Nigerian immigrant. Um, I grew up in Nigeria for 12 years of my life. And my family grew up in villages. For my dad, Abia Estate, Umegu Apwala village, and my mom um, in Oweri in southeastern uh, Nigeria. Villages are often governed and cultivated by community and so I've really been inspired by that legacy and intentionality around how communities can function outside of the state and that's really informed how our villages function. For us a healing village is first uh, cultivated based off of what our community needs are and then also what are the capacity of the healers who are going to be offering that season. So One, people have an opportunity to work one-on-one with somebody on our healing team in partnership with a healer to learn more about their bodies, move through something with their body. And, you know, some of the healing practices that we offer are either rooted in like indigenous, African, people of color practices or Western practices that we have remixed and politicized. (laughs) So there's like spiritual divination, there's Reiki, there's sound healing, there's acupressure, there's, we've done like healing haircuts and, and then, so those are the one-on-one sessions with folks on our healing team. And then we also offer freedom school workshops, which are modeled after freedom schools of the 1960s that were led by the Black Panthers and the Brown Berets as a way of exercising self-determination within Black communities. And 
we have offered a number of different workshops where people get to learn more about practices to to heal themselves, really relying on their own bodies, their own wisdom, and also the interdependence within our communities. And then when people come to the villages too, we always let people know that you, of all the things that we offer, you can also decide not to do anything. And some people just come just to be in the space. It creates sanctuary and it creates a space or a container for the sacred and for ritual. And that's a very challenging thing to find or to hold in the current conditions and with the, the myriad of violence that you have to interact with. Even for, for us when we're doing our healing work, you know, there's, there can be anything in any given moment that can disrupt that. And so to have a space where you can come and just be still and be in ritual and for there to be a space where people feel seen and heard and free and safe. So that's another layer I think I would add about the villages and also that it's intergenerational. There's little babies <laughs> in, the, in the villages, there's elders, there's youth, and every person that comes into that space engages in healing in, in some way. And if they're not doing it for themselves, they're often doing it for someone else. You know, the, the babies are giving off all this chi energy and the children's joy and laughter all around. Like, that's medicine. And seeing people in their dignity is medicine. So the intergenerational component of it is really powerful and the sacred that lives within it as well. So when you walk into Harriet's apothecary, um, you might come in with a headache, but that headache could be associated with so many different things. And it could be connected to the fact that you live in an environment that is environmentally racist or you've come from a job where there's tons of microaggressions or you ate something that wasn't good for you or you're having some internalized oppression with yourself. So there's many different reasons why someone could be having an imbalance in their body. And within Harriet's Apothecary, we create a lot of spaciousness that's a spaciousness that recognizes that when there's imbalance, that's connected to imbalance on multiple levels, imbalance internally, imbalance within our community, imbalance within our political system. Harriet's Apothecary recently published a deck of cards, the Oracle deck. There's one for each day of the year, so 365 total, with ideas for daily rituals that you can practice to affirm Black life and amplify Black love. There are prompts for how to practice self-care and love, build community, connect with nature, food, celebrate your heritage or a friend's or neighbor's heritage, as well as ways to advocate for policy change. I asked Adaku, Naima, and Beatrice about the thinking behind this project. We live in a world that is practicing consistently violence towards black bodies. And in order for us to shift and transform that violence, we actually have to be practicing something different. We have to be shifting behavior, not just saying we're going to do something, but actually doing something different that supports the livelihood of black people and supports black people in thriving. You know, last year, in the midst of the deep levels of state-sanctioned violence that were happening to black bodies, particularly for, you know, black women and femmes, and also, you know, living in a place like Brooklyn where we're seeing state-sanctioned state violence happening at the level of not only individuals, but also surveillance. And a question, you know, that haunts me at night is like, how can we compel communities and individuals to practice something different that really move to, moves towards life rather than moving towards taking life away? I wondered what it would be like if folks, including myself, could make a commitment to do something every day that honored black life. Whether you're a black person or you're somebody who loves black people, 
and I reached out to the healing team and then also reached out to an, a number of black folks in our community here in, in Brooklyn and asked them the question and slowly it grew into a list of rituals, actions, intentions, spells that folks can lean on. And the intention is not to try and do everything, but it's like do as many things as you can and hopefully it reorients you into a new way of uh, moving towards life. And these small actions hopefully become like ripples and larger fractals that really shifts a community's orientation towards Black people. Love is medicine. Affirmation is medicine. And practices that emit love and that affirm life for black folks is medicine. And so this deck is a way of making medicine accessible, literally putting it in the palm of people's hands. The Oracle deck is published on Harriet's Apothecary's website, and you can visit our show notes for the link to this project and to learn more about the collective. You've been listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. The archive is collectively run and volunteered powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening. Thank you.